Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, thanks so much for coming back to listen to the Catching Passes podcast with Coach John Kirby, sponsored by Bet Online here on the Believe Network. All right, for this episode, I'm beyond honored to tell the story of that one dark, gloomy Friday fall night in 1994 when my high school QB, Tom Brady, and I broke some long-standing Sarah records for passing and receiving. I thought it was fitting to tell this story this week, especially since Tommy is returning to Foxborough to play the Patriots as a Tampa Bay Buck, which the entire event will be amazing to watch. Great job marketing and schedule planning by the NFL. But first, let me lead off with the disclaimer, and I will be 100% honest. Before this record-breaking night, none of us ever really even knew what any of the Sarah's school records were, even though they were posted weekly in the football program for the fans, but we didn't pay attention to that stuff back then. So much emphasis and wasted energy is spent in today's game on stats and records, especially on social media, but wasn't really like that back in the day. We were there to just play and represent the Sarah Padre Brotherhood to the best of our ability. Trust me, we weren't being dig me. Dig me means like, check me out, look at me, keeping track of records, man, I'm the best. That's being dig me. Like many who had participated in the game of football before us, we just went and played and hoped for the best. Please allow me to set the background for this game, this record-setting game with me and Tommy. We were having a pretty good season so far, and we were faced with the task of facing Cardinal Newman Catholic High School of Santa Rosa. It's about a two-hour bus ride from San Mateo north across the Golden Gate. The game was on a Friday night at 7.30 p.m., and we left Sarah right after school at about 1.30. Back in the day at Sarah, we had an awesome school schedule. On Fridays, the whole school would get out at 1.15 p.m. because about 90% of the school played sports and would need an early dismissal to get to their respective weekend games. So it's just better to have school end at 1.15 throughout the fall, winter, and spring season since so many kids would miss their last class of the day anyways to play sports. It was a great idea. It helped teachers a lot. Sadly, it's no longer the case at Sarah. Oh, the glory days of Friday 1.15 dismissals. This poor generation, they actually have to go to school all day. It's all right. They need it. All right. Sorry about that. I got ADD'd back there, but back to the story. So we hop on the bus and start the long bus ride. I've been across the Golden Gate many times when I was younger with my family, but crossing the Golden Gate Bridge this time as a Padre and with my team was different and special. I remember feeling so cool, like, look how far we got to travel to go play a game, and it felt like a business football road trip. Little did I know later in life I'd eventually travel so much further than just a two-hour bus ride, eventually to Hawaii and all over the U.S. just to play football. But this first time with my high school team across the Golden Gate, will always be a great memory, the first of many times traveling to play ball throughout my life. Then we arrived at Santa Rosa JC to play Cardinal Newman. Let's get those Friday night lights rolling. Now please stay tuned for a word from our sponsor. Bet online, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up 
don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So we arrived at Santa Rosa Junior College. We get off the bus, and one of the first things we noticed as we approached the field was an interesting landmark, which is actually well known about Santa Rosa JC's field throughout the years. Literally in the back of the north end zone, picture this, the back left corner of the end zone, then give about three to four feet or so, there was a giant tree right up against the chalk for the outlined end zone. They said it was out of play, but it was literally on the football field, which of course was grass back then. And man, I swear, if you ran a corner or a flag route to the end zone full speed, you were hitting it, and that tree would blast you every time. (laughs) That's one defender that would hit you and not budge. Believe it or not, somehow players always avoided hitting it, besides a few minor collisions, and through the years it became known, and everyone knew it as the tree, in Santa Rosa, JC, and the tree. You can see it in my YouTube video that goes with this episode, titled The Same As This Podcast. Tom Brady to John Kirby, 1994, record-breaking night. Now, as you scan the field in the video, it looks like a completely normal field, and then bam, there it is. That would never be allowed nowadays, especially with these parents. This thing is like in the end zone, almost like they ran chalk around it. That tree probably saw a lot of good games, though, through the years. One of the first things I remember about the game is that it was overcast when we arrived, dark, cloudy, and definitely very gloomy. Kind of an eerie quiet during warm-ups. And as the sun went down, it got cold really quickly. Our coaches pointed out the tree and spoke of its possible hazards. And that dark clouds behind the tree as we looked at it made it seem haunted and intimidating. But then it was time for kickoff. Time to face our opponent from the north in a non-league contest. Cardinal Newman High School. They had an awesome set of running backs in 94. Strong, huge O-line, D-line, hard-hitting linebackers, good defense. They were considered one of the top teams on that side of the bay. Our defense had kind of struggled at times that year, so we all went into the game hoping that we could stop their backs and score some points. Cardinal Newman started hammering us with the ground game, and we fell behind early in the first half. Now, please remember, this is 1994, everyone. Not many schools, if any, threw the ball a lot back then. So we were considered the exception in the Bay because we threw sometimes 20, 30, 40 times a game. I've been asked by the press before why we threw so much back then, and there's two obvious answers. Number one, because we had Tommy and three good receivers. And number two, and no offense to anyone or my old teammates, but we seemed to always be behind because our defense couldn't stop anybody. So we're always throwing the ball to try to catch up, (laughs) if you could believe that. I'd like to recall this game through my catches. And you can follow along on YouTube with the video I mentioned earlier as the game goes. Tommy would always get us going in the huddle, come out and tell the huddle, let's go, boys, we need to score some points. Come on, let's go, Padres. He was almost always positive in the huddle at all times, except when a teammate would need some further encouragement after a play. He would let us know occasionally what we needed to do correctly, but always with good intentions as our leader. My first catch in the video was a curl from the left side, and as I turned, I could see Tommy hung it a little inside where the defender was on my hip, so I had to go get it. DB was about to snatch it when I stepped in front and took it from him. In the video, this is a first pass, and I'm split left in our funny wide receiver stance we were told to do, even with no press. So if you look at the very first play, look at my stance. And don't get me wrong, wide receiver stance is important, 
but I used to feel hella goofy with the one arm up, even with no press coverage. So I kind of made it my theory as a wide receiver coach. As long as your wide receiver hands are higher than the DBs on release, so he can't get under your pads, you're good on the release. I also like my wide receivers to be lined up in uniform fashion, but hands can be down when not pressed, okay? Not up in a jogging formation. Next time we got the ball, I motioned down from the left, and I ran a dangerous seam, but Tommy threw it low and away to protect me and get down quickly. Man, he saved my head on that throw, and I'll be honest, you know, I was a catch-and-fall kind of guy. I was a possession receiver. I had that, what they call Isaac Bruce mentality, catch and get down. And I especially learned that in JC and D1, getting blasted across the middle quite a few times. I won't shake a hundred dudes, but I'll always take a couple guys to get me down. I once housed won 70 yards at City, outrunning dudes, and even I couldn't believe it. <laughs> so next play, all year long, we ran a ton of 10-yard speed outs, and they were in too deep, so I released inside and got back outside behind the flat defender. Tommy threw a great ball with speed over his head, and we gained some more yards. After that, you can see in the video, time was winding down at the half. Tommy came in the huddle and said, Kerr, make sure you get out of bounds. Tommy looked to throw a seam to another wide receiver. He went through his progression, and I sat along the sidelines, and he hit me as I stepped out of bounds with 20 seconds left in the half. We came out of half, still behind a couple TDs to Newman. And to start the half, Tommy, our OC, and I, we set up a little plan. You can see in the video, first I would run a hitch because they were playing off, which we completed for a few yards. Then the next play was going to be a double move, a hitch and go. However, I slip on the takeoff, and it doesn't matter because the slip actually made the timing of the route work because I was going to run a hitch and go anyways. <laughs> so it worked out perfect. Because they were still in too deep, I ran past the corner and I laid out in front of their safety for a diving catch along the Sarah sidelines. In the YouTube video, as I get up, you can see the man, the myth, JV coach Bob Vignal cheering me on from the sidelines. I remember I got up and he said, big time catch, Curb, big time catch. He's the best. Next play, a little five-yard hitch again. Shook one dude, gained 10 yards. One of my best memories ever of Tommy was the next play, and I've shared it in the press before. You can see in the video, the clock says 110. And I ran a curl, I believe, 15 yards back to 13. As I got to 15 yards and planted, I could hear it coming already in the air like, and as I turned, the ball was coming like a missile right at my face mask. So I slid a little to use my body to catch that thing because, man, it was coming in hot, and I knew I'd be hit as soon as I caught it. Spun off a couple guys for a big gain at the time, but still trailing on the scoreboard. Going the other direction, I ran a five-yard speed out. Great timing by Tommy. Got 10, got out of bounds. Next play is awesome. You can see Tommy roll out super wide to the left. I was running a 15-yard speed out to the left, but throttled it down because there was a defender in the area. And Tommy fired another rocket. This thing was coming. I caught it. I was gaining yards when there, all of a sudden there was like some little dude in front of me. I ran full speed to run him over. And all of a sudden I didn't see it. I used to hate that, man, when I'd run full speed, especially at little dudes, to run him over. And all of a sudden they just disappear and whoop, you're up off your feet. I should have tried to jump over the last dude, but I couldn't feel my ankle after that play. It still worked, but it was numb. Now, in the video before the next play, you can hear the announcers talk about how impressed they were with our passing, even though we were losing. The last catch of the night, my 11th catch, I ran a slant. The ball was behind me just a hair, and you could see me catch it on my hip, basically behind my back. Probably wouldn't be ruled a catch nowadays, but counts as a completion back then, especially with high school refs. 
And what's cool is that the catch is the one that broke the record, as I would soon find out the next day at film and walkthrough. Finally, on the last offensive play of the game, I can't forget this. I ran a clear-out decoyed fade route, you know, where you're just clearing out for an under route, to the back left of the end zone when the DB and I got in a blocking and shoving match. We pushed back and forth. We both went flying into, guess what? The tree. That damn tree right in the end zone. And it wasn't a comfortable feeling hitting that immovable natural object. And looking it up online, it looks like Santa Rosa JC is now all turf. And guess what is still there? That tree. Although it looks like they moved the field up from it about 20 or 30 yards. It now appears that the tree is right up against the first lane of the new track, but now safely out of the way. We wound up losing, but there are a few Sarah High School football passing and receiving records broken that night. The next morning, our athletic director called Tommy and I over to him during our film and walkthrough and said the following. First for Tommy, the records he broke was, number one, most pass attempts in a game with 41 attempts. Number two, he tied Jesse Freitas' record for most completions in a game with 22. Tommy went on to break a bunch of season and career passing records at Sarah, but I was happy to be part of it because after speaking with Tommy, our AD looked at me and said, oh, and hey, Curb, congratulations on your catches last night. You broke Lynn Swan's 27-year-old record for most catches in a game. He had 10 in a game in 1967 here at Sarah, and last night you caught 11 balls for 163 yards. You know who Lynn Swan was, right, Curb? Of course I did, and I couldn't believe it. Then our AD finished with, Oh, hey, and Curb, you also tied one of Lynn Swan's other records for most yards in a game with 163, which puts you on the list as fourth all-time for yards receiving in one game. You may say, wow, fourth all-time, big deal, but I felt beyond honored and still do to this day because of the list of Sarah Legends I was now with in the record books. Those dudes were untouchables. We had so much respect for the Padres before us because of the strong football tradition that they had built. I mean, our home field we played on back then was called Jess Freitas Field. In honor of the father of the legendary 70s Chargers quarterback, Jesse Freitas, the guy whose records Tommy broke that night. Tommy broke the records of the family who our football field was named after at the time. And I guess we all know who Lynn Swan is, so no problem there. Now, this all happened in the fall of 1994, and I think I'm like 9th or 10th or probably 19th. But what's cool is one of my wide receivers, Don Andre Clark, who was the 2009 WCL Receiver of the Year. He bumped me down the list with 189 yards receiving in one game. My other boy, Hunter Bishop, had 202 yards receiving in 2015. Even though I didn't coach him directly, it was another proud moment for me because Hunter and I used to hang out and have lunch daily in my office for weeks and talk about wide receiver stuff. So you know what? That one counts too. Hunter and Andre are both playing pro baseball, so I'm even happier for them. It also made me feel content in that I'd been actively coaching and or were privately coaching both these guys for years, and they were improving on the Sarah tradition that we had left behind for all future Padres. It meant so much and still does to be eternally part of the strong Sarah football tradition, which continues to this day. It was definitely a night I will never forget. I will always feel honored to be a part of that night, that fall night in 1994, when Tom Brady and I made our way into the Sarah record book. In our first podcast, I gave a straight-from-the-heart tribute to Hawaii quarterback Cole Brennan. This meant a lot to me, so I sent the podcast to his family member, his sister, Chanel Brennan Brewster. I was hoping it could help bring some comfort to the family, 
and for the Brennan family to know how much Hawaii loved Colt. What is so cool is Chanel replied right away, told me thank you so much and that her family appreciated it. I've kept in contact with Chanel and I noticed she has been speaking about her brother's new charity fund called the Colt Brennan Legacy Fund via the Hawaii Community Foundation. I asked her if it was okay for me to relay Colt's message and was happy to give me some information I would love everyone to know. Chanel noted that Colt volunteered a lot of his time with youth football in Hawaii, so the family thought a great way to give back was to create the Colt Brennan Legacy Fund, a fund which gives back to Colt's favorite charities and organizations that he worked with for years in Hawaii, such as youth sports, UH athletics, as well as towards various mental health organizations. Please donate on behalf of the Catching Passes podcast, or anonymously if you wish. And any donation, no matter how big or small, will help. How about this? Instead of spending $7.75 on your venti pumpkin latte, donate that $7.75 to the Colt Brennan Legacy Fund. That money will go so far to help the organizations and charities that Colt loved all over Hawaii. We will provide links to Colt's Fund on our social media pages on Instagram at Coach John Kirby or at Facebook.com slash Coach John Kirby. And look for donation drives through the months to come. You can find everything you need to know about Colt's Legacy Fund at the following web address, www.hawaiicommunityfoundation.org slash Colt dash fund. Once again, that's www.hawaiicommunityfoundation.org slash Colt dash fund. Or just, you know what, to make it easy, why make this hard? Just Google the Colt Brennan Legacy Fund and all the information you need comes right up. I just did it earlier. Thanks, Colt. And special thanks to the Brennan family and Colt's sister, Chanel Brennan Brewster, for just being really cool. Thanks, Chanel, for creating this amazing legacy fund in honor of your brother, who will always be our hero of Hawaii. Okay, everybody, thank you so much. All right, that was a bit of a long one. But if you made it all the way to the end, guess what? You get to find out about next week when we revisit City College of San Francisco. And man, we got to talk about the wide receiving crew back in 1995-96. We had so many funny memories and times amongst the wideouts, as well as an interview with current city wide receiver coach Andre Kelly, who was a good friend of mine and was a fellow city wide receiver with me back in 1996. Perhaps Coach Kelly can share an update on city football this year while he and I revisit some of our most funny, memorable, and challenging moments as wide receivers at city. We need your support to keep going, so please stay tuned and support us. Tell your friends and press play, download, share, and subscribe every Thursday. And let's go Padres, Rams, and Warriors. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining me here on the Catching Passes with Coach John Kirby podcast, presented by Bet Online here on the Believe Network. If you'd like to send me a message, you can do so on Instagram at Coach John Kirby or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Coach John Kirby. Or if you want to watch the video that goes with this podcast, you can do so on YouTube at John Kirby 87. And like we end every single show, aloha. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.